Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Hey folks, Frank here. Uh, sorry for the tardiness of this episode. As I mentioned in our Zoning Out episode, a nice place to visit. I've been going through a little bit of a health crisis at the moment, and it's kind of waylaid a lot of my plans and projects that I've been working on. Just want to give a little note. In this week's monologue, I say that the cause of my uh, seemingly unending anaphylactic reactions were from Girl Scout cookies. I thought that was the culprit. Uh, that's has proven to be wildly inaccurate. <laughs> Uh, I had plans to do a weird sketch with Charles Manson again, like I did with the Remy Grillo interview. I just have not been, I've been out of sorts at the moment. All the trips to urgent cares and hospitals have kind of waylaid that and delayed me with this. Uh, it's looking like uh, celiac disease, uh, the gluten thing, which for an Italian is literally the worst thing ever. Bread or pasta might be out of, gone for the foreseeable future. Or entire future. Oh, God. I can't eat bread. Why? Why? Really? Ugh. Well, as bad as I'm having it, as you'll hear in this interview, our boys John Swab and Jeremy Rosen had a tough shoot. I really sympathize because I've been there. The film is excellent. I can't wait for you all to see it. It's so fun. The thing is, when you watch the film, you won't even see a moment of that. Like, I was surprised at how bad it, production of this went for them. And it's nothing salacious or anything. It's just like, that's the shit that happens on shoot that nobody ever gets to hear. And I'm grateful to John and Jeremy for sharing that. Thanks guys. Uh, next week, hopefully, uh, I'm going to my allergist again this week to find out exactly what my issue is. Well, it's not my allergist. He's just an allergist. I just started seeing. Or the definite article, your dildo. <laughs> Fight club. Anybody? No? Okay. Uh, sorry. And uh, please enjoy the interview. And hopefully... <laughs> Things are better next week. Enjoy. Please enjoy my work. All right. Goodbye. Yeah. And now, on with the show. Smug. Confident. Secure because you are sane. Do you know what madness is or how it strikes? Have you seen the demon? Surge through the corridors of the crazed mind. Come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. folks, I'm Frank Bonacci and I'm the scum of the earth. I like being surprised. Well, not like the surprise I had this weekend. If you listen to our most recent zoning out, you hear about how I had to take an ambulance to the emergency room on account of a full-blown anaphylactic attack. Eesh. Oh, I found out the culprit finally. You ready? Girl Scout lemon up cookies. Imagine that's what it almost took me out. What a fucking undignified, but probably fitting in my case, death. <sighs> and it wasn't even Samoa's. But my near-death experience taught me one thing. Well, 
don't eat those again. Yeah, no wisdom gained on that one. All in all, a bust. But anyway, surprises. This last year has been full of surprises. I discovered I liked yoga. Uh, out of nowhere, I got hired to be a podcaster and wound up loving it. What else? Oh, I learned that after being punched by a deranged homeless person in a completely unprovoked attack that I had tendencies towards blind murderous rage as I subsequently savagely beat him with a vintage police billy club that my doorman happened to have handy. Who knew? But another fun surprise has been discovering the amazing ovier, I still can't get that word, of the seemingly unstoppable team of Rosen and Swab. Their new film, One Day as a Lion, is about Jackie Powers, played by Scott Kahn, who's a nice guy but a lousy hitman. He botches a hit on J.K. Simmons's Walter for his boss, Paulie, played by a really greasy Frank Grillo. Fleeing the scene, Jackie takes board waitress Lola, played by Marion Rendon, I hope I'm saying that right, as a hostage. When Jackie reveals he needs money to get his son out of jail, Lola cooks up a scheme for them to get cash from her dying mother, played by Virginia Madsen. It's a little bit country and a little bit casino in this crime film, where the crime elements take a backseat to fun character moments in a very breathlessy, French New Wavey feeling film. It'll be available for streaming all over from the good folks at Lionsgate. And with that, I'd like to welcome back for a third freaking time in as many months our returning heroes, producer Jeremy M. Rosen and director John Swab. Great to have you back, guys. Yay! Do we, do we get a do we get a jacket or anything? SNL style? We gotta get some merch. We're trying to get merch going. <laughs> Sending oh, you a tote bag shortly. How'd this film come about? Like, so were you just bored one weekend? It's like, well, we haven't shot a film in an hour, so. <laughs> is this the first time, John, you uh, directing from somebody else's script? Because I see Scott Kahn is credited as writer. This is the first time. And Jeremy's got the best origin story of this. He found this one, so I'll let him tell that. Oh, yes. The uh, tag team. While remaining as diplomatic as possible, uh, the hype's being 2020 uh, um it was a uh, scott agent <laughs> oh, who, uh, with whom I, I was well acquainted for some years he likes what john and i do and shared scott's script with me with the hope that we'd want to make it or just to, to be very specific that i would produce it and then john came on board subsequently so scott and i got acquainted we, we had some zooms and when i was back in la we had some some hangs you know seemed like a stand-up guy i was relatively familiar with his work and and certainly his father's work. Yeah, we, we developed a rapport and I would vouch for him, for lack of a better phrase, to John. John and I were just gearing up to shoot Little Dixie, uh, which we've covered on your lovely show. So it was tough for, for John, first and foremost, and secondarily for I to, to wrap our head around doing something else, let alone something that John didn't write. I showed Scott Ida Red and he was thoroughly impressed and said, oh man, do you think John would want to direct this? And I go, well, you know, it's tough for he or I to do anything without the other. Uh, um, <laughs> make that what you will. Long story short, John came on board. The dynamic duo rode again, uh, although this time we had Scott. <laughs> and uh, and of course, we brought in all the color from our usual Roxwell ensemble, most notably Frank Rillo, of course, also Marianne Rendon, uh, who I worked with on Mary Heron's Charlie Says, Virginia Madsen, because Sideways is my favorite film. Uh, is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, that and Vanilla Sky was my two favorite films. Really? Uh, and of course, George Carroll, who John and I worked with religiously for forever. Um, and it was somewhat serendipitous, all ego aside, right? I'm pitch scripts somewhat regularly, and rarely do I consider them, because John and I have a pretty well 
self-contained operation. So we went on a bit of a limb and the result is one day as a lion. Nice. John, how did that feel? Like, was it bizarre, you know, kind of like directing somebody else's work because that's sort of the basis of your relationship or did you kind of embrace the challenge and just like run with it? Uh, no, I love the challenge. And honestly, you know, having done as many movies as Jeremy and I have at this point, especially in the amount of time we've done it, I've gotten pretty good at divorcing myself from my own material. I'm not somebody who's super precious about anything. So, I'm able to look at my own text like it's not my own. So when it came time to do it with Scott's, I was excited about the opportunity of, of, of doing it for real that time. You know, the, the more bizarre dynamic was that the writer was the lead actor and, and somebody who, you know, had lived with this script in their head for like a decade or so. My interpretation of the text and his interpretation of the text differed. Uh-huh. And, you know, and and he's the one actually performing it. So at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, if that's how you are going to do it, then just do it that way. You know, like, right. uh, so that was the most interesting part. And I, I don't know that of a situation where I'd ever be in that dynamic again, but I'm grateful for it. I had, I had a lot. I love challenges. And this this film was was certainly a challenge. And we did our thing. And here we are talking to you guys. So, okay. you know. There's a couple casino moments. I think you mentioned last time this got a little bit of casino feel to it because there's one exchange that J.K. Simmons has. He's like, you're all just guest here, which is like the L.Q. Jones line in Casino. I'm like, those sons of bitches threw that in there on purpose. I really enjoyed it because it felt... I like the fact that all the crime elements take a backseat for all the character stuff. Felt like breathless. I was like, oh, this feels like a very French New Wavey film for me. And it's funny that you didn't write it, but it still has that same house style. The other elements mesh together well with your stylistic sensibilities. Well, I think it's no coincidence, right, that uh, Scott's agent thought of us, right? Mm, right. Does fit in our wheelhouse. And then, of course, you know, we have no choice but to pepper our ensemble in there to really make it our own, despite, as John aptly pointed out, these being Scott's words. There's a lot more to that uh, by way of casting and the 25th hour, not to embellish the most challenging shoot John I've ever done together. It was- You're uh, tap dancing, you two. You sound like you had a tough one. This don't have to be, this don't have to be uh, in oh, it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, listen, we've been pretty raw with you all throughout, so- it was uh, it was hellish. Speak I on think. it. Yeah, it was um, it was just a hellish, uh, perfect storm of really uh, challenging circumstances with cast and crew. But yeah, there were some uh, initial casting choices that didn't end up in the final cut. Uh, so you know you can read between the lines there. Uh-huh. There was some uh, COVID was despite it being late in the pandemic. Allegedly, it was very challenging by way of the protocol and the infections and of course <laughs> the, the usual Oklahoma summer heat. But it was. Just the number of of terminations and resignations, uh, cast and crew were were palpable, the, the likes of which we'd never seen. So navigating wow. around that, cutting shoot days, and still somehow extricating ourselves with a with a film that Lionsgate, the domestic distributor, really digs. It was nothing short of miraculous to us. You wow. pulled it out. I mean, it's so funny. You're talking about experience. Like you, I've been on those where you're on like good show after good show and you go into it and it's like conductor puts his big greasy hand on the freaking switch and just pulls it and it just everything stops dead and you're just scrambling throughout the rest of the shoot it's like one with one th- one element goes bad the, the whole the rest of the shoot you're just trying to play catch up and it's the worst feeling on earth in production when it that just goes sounds on. like my day honestly yeah. it's exhausting did you have a couple of deaths in your day uh, <laughs> you-, <laughs> you had a couple of those honestly our our assistant director um no remarked to us 
Oh, I thought you were assistant director. Oh, no, 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 no. Jeff's alive and well. He, he's oh, an old Thank God. Hi, Jeff. Uh, Thank you for no, being but, here. Sorry. Jeff remarked to us, this film is cursed. And now I'd be like, ah, you know, all right, oh. very good. But then towards the end, I go, you're absolutely right. This film is cursed. I mean, I, I would call it a comedy of errors if there was anything funny about it, but it was... Mm. It was, yeah. you know, we have the benefit of hindsight now, and it's great. The film's coming out next week, et cetera. But, man, it was horrific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had those. You just get those those bad shoots where it's just hex. There's like there's everything that could go wrong. I'll tell you a funny story about one of my friend's shoots where it was on the news. You know it's bad when it's on the news, where a guy driving the G&E truck just went on a crystal meth binge during lunch and then was arrested trying to steal a fire truck after crashing the G&E truck. And that's oh one of those God. shoots where it's just like, why that happened? Just because it's just like, and then you got to keep shooting. It's like, well, well what do sure. we do? Well, we have to shoot tomorrow. So <laughs> what the fuck do you got to do? That's yeah. it. We did shut down once, if not twice, uh, to allow for a new cast member to travel into town as well as new crew members to replace the folks who were riddled with COVID. So it was um, very challenging. Uh, interestingly enough, on the heels of Ray Liotta's passing, there were enhanced insurance requirements for our actors of a certain age because the underwriters were freaked out about names dropping dead uh, while on location. So it was truly, um, yeah, I mean, I, I lost like 10 pounds trying to finance the thing. It, it was pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, you know, you're at the abyss and you go, well, what I, you know, why I have a pretty good life? You know, why am I subjecting myself <laughs> to this? And, and uh, you know, I feel like the only responsible adult and, and yeah, nightmare. <laughs> today but hey, is today the movie. Today. <laughs> and then, oh you know, and then, and then people will watch it, you know, press and fans be like, fuck that movie or whatever. Like, all right, you know, we just sit here and try to remain calm, you know. If you had any idea what it took to make this thing? Oh my god! <laughs> well, you wouldn't know from the actual film. The film, I, you would have told me this was—you could have lied the whole time. You could have just lied. So that was smooth. I, it's, it felt smooth on screen. So I had no. Wow, that's a that's a tough one, man. Jeez, Christ! Now, when it gets. I'm a freak out person. Like eventually I'm good until that last thing. It's like, I'm good for the whole day. And then at the end of the day, if that one last thing happens where it's like, that's it, fuck it. I got to get out of here. And then you hate everybody, but then you feel bad for hating everybody. Oh, it's great. Oh, I, I do hate everyone. <laughs> you gotta. I'll, I'll tell you, Frank, I believe I can speak for John when I say, uh, we don't feel badly about hating anyone. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, well-deserved. That's right. Well, it's not for no hate. reason. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Well, well deserved. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I Man. like I liked some of the Easter eggs, though. I feel like I noticed a couple. I could be wrong, but the candy bar candy that bar. he gets in jail, I was like, oh, OK. And was J.K. Simmons watching Candyland? Yes. Yeah. Nice, awesome. nice eye. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wait, I know this. The stuff I love is Frank Grillo's just Paulie and Dom. I could watch guineas argue with each other. I could watch that all day. I think that they're, they're, they're the best. I mean, my my personal favorite part of the movie is all their stuff. You know, Th they really did a, a great job. I'm wearing a fucking belt buckle. That's the best line ever. And that <laughs> he killed me with that. It was it was very reminiscent of, of Tony Soprano and Bobby Bacala, you know, that, that whole dynamic between them. Just, yes, uh, that's what it was. Like, oh, yeah. Oh Tony just breaking his balls endlessly and you're loving it. And, uh, you know, there's there's the dichotomy of being offended, but yet having to show respect to your boss and agreed. I mean, it was serendipitously 
funny as hell. Yeah. Getting an actress like Virginia Madsen, that, that's an actress I grew up watching. Was like, is that like amazing to you when you have one of those actors that you grew up watching? It's like, oh my God, I'm getting to direct them. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, Jeremy and I, I mean, personally, I get more excited about directing somebody like Billy Blair, uh, oh, who played like the, the attorney, you know I mean? Yes. Like those, yes. those kind of people. I, I mean, I was, it was very cool that, you know, Virginia came down and did the movie JK as well. It was, I mean, those kind of people, I've, you know, been watching their movies forever, but I take a lot more ownership and pride over people that we have in our movies that are recurring mm -hmm. characters. You know, it's like, it's a little bit more special to me than like a big name, you know? So the George Carroll's, the Billy Blair's, you know, those kind of people, are kind of the DNA of these movies, you know, so that's equally, if not more special to me. Oh, that's know? great. Yeah. Billy yeah. again was fantastic. And I think you guys mentioned it the last time that we had a conversation that he, he deserves a spinoff series. Yeah, he we does. Do yes. There's, a better something, call Saul. there's yeah. something in there. Like I, I want to know like what a day in his life looks like me too. Like, does he eat steak at the strip club? Probably. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's well, exactly no, he, what he does. he does. Exactly. So I'm like, I'm like, I love this man. <laughs> What's he having for dinner? It's steak, the bada bang. He's infectious Billy um, in real life as he is with each of these wonderful characters. He embodies for us, you know, yeah. from Candyland to, to to Little Dixie to Ida to this, and uh, we may have may or may not have mentioned before it was just a, a random casting situation years ago on Body Brokers, and we've been so loyal to one another since, and we're so grateful that he schleps to wherever we are, and awesome. and you know comes to every screening, and you know meanwhile he's he's part of Robert Rodriguez's crew as well. I mean he's got got a hell of a tenure out of Texas there where he's based, and uh, we love everything he does and. Yeah, Kenny Walsh. Uh, we wanted to do a you know kind of a a featurette or, or even a, a short film devoted just to Kenny or expound upon that that mm -hmm. commercial he's playing in the uh, in the prison. Yes, yeah. I was gonna ask. Like that looked like you were having fun shooting that commercial. Yeah, I liked the ad. Yeah, yeah. man, that felt like. Were you just getting him to say stuff? Was that in the script? Well, or you just so, no, there no the things. There are moments in, in the script or in the movie that aren't scripted. And, and I'd say those are where we had the most fun. Yeah, we just let Kenny cook, you know, and it mm -hmm. was. Walter's guards, there's one moment where right before the pizza delivery comes, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, they're having a conversation about, what were they talking about? It was like this very strange, and is that one of those instances? Gymnastics. One, one of them was a, was a college, I didn't know this, but I overheard him on the context that he was like a pole vaulter or some kind of, he, one of the guys that spins around on the deal. And I, and I heard him talking about it. I was like, just keep talking about that and we're going to catch that audio. And Yeah, because you mentioned in the Candyland interview, you were telling me that you like to keep those contexts on for those little moments. And I'm like, is that what, I was wondering if that was one of those that moments. Definitely one of those moments, yeah. So that, I'm glad you you guys are uh We're, astute. we're astute. We're like, uh, we're the Rosen Sawbuck. Chronicles. Okay. John, we're fucking with it. <laughs> well, you're more with it than I am, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. Coming soon to theaters. I'm Professor Kansas Bowling. I'm a graduate of the University of Teenage Studies, earning my PhD in The Young Girl. This is a film for all you mothers and fathers and those who wish to be. Parents beware. Lock up your 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 toys. I'm so ashamed to say this, but don't have sex with me. Oh well. 
a typical teenage runaway. I love his new radiated like bikini at all. He said if I loved him, he was allowed to fuck my asshole. Angel. You know that isn't what happened. See you fucking dead. We're gonna fucking deal with it, okay? Can we take her to a hospital? No! no! You should model caged animals. It was, it was violent. You learned to like life. We're here to tell you about how hard our lives are. Being teenage girls. Toys getting canceled at a theater near you. I swear this city gets crazier and crazier every day. Hey, listen. Oh, jeez, we got a live one. Hey, buddy, the English nobleman in my teeth told me something. Hey, if you go to wnuf.bigcartel.com, you get the out there Halloween mega tape and other products. But you didn't know that. Did you know that the dust balls in my living room? They're there on purpose. Did you know that? Um, do you, do you want like a dollar or something? You just throw a cat at me? <laughs> oh my god, are you okay? I saw everything. Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you one thing though. I'm not gonna rest until I find out more about how to purchase the out there Halloween mega tape and other products from wnuf.bigcartel.com. I can tell you that much. Yes, I too would like to learn more about how to purchase the out there Halloween mega tape and other products from wnuf.bigcartel.com. So what are you guys working on now? Are you guys working on King Ivy right now? Oh, yeah, man. Very timely fentanyl piece. John did extensive research with law enforcement and with gang members themselves. We, uh, we're now starting that in mid-June. So uh, hopefully you'll see the, the cast announcement in the coming weeks. So, oh, so you're like in full on in pre-pro right now. Totally. Yeah. We, we had a notion of maybe um, starting already, but uh, we want to give ourselves a little more breathing room. And I think we'll be all the, all the better for it. So yeah, so that's a, a June and July shoot back in good old Tulsa. And uh, the heat again, didn't you learn from this? <laughs> but the heat was the least of it, my man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do the heat man i'm not even gonna i'm really really dancing here so i'm gonna i'm trying to steer it away i, I took such pleasure in watching the jeremy do it this story is i'm trying to steer it away <laughs> i i took such pleasure watching jeremy uh Left a little out there. That I'm was watching great. him tap uh, yeah. dance. You guys are you guys are great. At you guys must have had some really good media training for this. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been to I've been to a prison work release camp, <laughs> and that was I would rather do that over than than, <laughs> than this. <laughs> oh, that's the worst when that. Wow. Is this the, last, the last thing you've shot is that you have in the can. So this yeah. oh so this is oh you don't want to go into this. You need like a clean. You need like a palate cleanser. Like shoot. Yeah. No, we're ready, man. I mean, I I'm really really proud of one day as a lion for all the reasons jeremy mentioned i mean that was so bad you know for so many different reasons like he said i'm just going to kind of do my own it's of just we've all been on them yeah yeah but i mean from the deaths and the just the just the problem so but you know jeremy and i remained you know and became even closer friends than we were before and and you know be able to like come out of a situation like that with the one guy that you you know you can trust and you still trust each other and you still love each other like I that i was gonna say I, I hate it if like, you guys hated each other after a shoot because that would be so sad if like that you know, broke, I mean, 
like, you guys will be worse than together. that. Yeah, yeah so it was, it was really cool. And I'm grateful in hindsight to have gone through that and come out and be like, okay, like, I know we have each other now, you know, like, that's like really special to know. And then to go into something like King Ivory, where I feel like we've been working towards this movie since we started, since we met, we've been working towards this moment to make this film. So it's going to feel really, really good. I don't care if it's 300 degrees and you know whatever it's it's going to be a, a just a, a cleanse to get into it so okay good we're we're excited for that I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad you're feeling better. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in regard to the film, I you don't get to see the American South be represented anymore, except like, you know, it's usually just used to sub for something else. But it, it's had that feeling of white lightning where it just really gets into that real Southern feel. Like, well, you don't really get to see that be the character unless it's like some politically charged drama about racism or something. It's just like, no, it's just this is the South. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear you say that, right? I mean, it was um, it was really Ida Red was the first where John and I really said to one another, you know, let's let's double down on, on what and and where we have, right? We love actually using real references uh, that resonate with with local crowds and that bring you into a world that that most folks know nothing about, myself included, before I before I began this Oklahoma adventure with John years ago. And, and incidentally, Scott wrote this for an entirely different area, which would have in turn been an entirely different film and vibe. It was meant for kind of Los Angeles sprawl, like a Palmdale, for instance. Mm. Um, and Scott's primary influence was a was a, a, a Buffalo 66. That was really his, oh, okay. his, yeah. his prototype, if you will. And there were some autobiographical peppered throughout as well with him. Making it our own, Oklahoma, I think uh, above all else, was was the key secret sauce. Watching Scott Kahn, it's crazy how much he looks like his dad. You ever see Freebie and the Bean? Freebie and the Bean, oh. him and Alan Arkin? Okay, listen to me. Alan Arkin? Oh, I love him. Oh, it's great. James Kahn and Alan Arkin and Richard Rush, who did The Stuntman and Color of Night. Oh, yes which is one of our favorite films. But yeah, check out Freebie and the Bean, best car chases ever in a film other than Blues Brothers. It's it's amazing. It's it's crazy stuff. And it's filthy. Well, you've got uh, even even uh, exceeds uh, The Getaway and Ronin. Those close. car chases? It's close. Okay. Uh, uh, no, it's not in terms of car chase construction, in terms of vehicular madness. French just, Connection is, is generally regarded as the best car chase, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say that's the best. But like in terms of just ridiculously just smashing cars for the case of smashing cars, like just that's that film, like on a big scale, not that that wasn't directed by the guy who did Gone 60 Seconds, whatever his name was, I forget his name. You, you mentioned um, Jimmy Kahn. We didn't have the um, the honor of meeting him, but he did pass shortly after we we wrapped. Uh, oh, he hadn't passed that. Oh, wow. No, no. I mean, it was, it was Scott, you know, returning to LA to his family and and his father passing shortly thereafter. So just this whole notion of the film being cursed, that oh. was uh, no exception. Um, so right. you, you'll, you'll see that in addition to to Mr. Khan, it was our dear, dear friend, Mark Ward, Ward. we talked about before, you know, he he passed two days prior to commencement of principal photography. So it was, so when I say it was cursed, I mean, it really felt that way, it was palpable. So we dedicated the film to them both, to Mark and James. Mm. Oh, I didn't, re see, it's crazy. Now I, I understand the timeline now of everything because it was Mark Ward we've always talked about from who was amazing in your last two films I didn't realize that this was the product was he supposed to be, so he was supposed to be in this I'll, I'll defer to John on which role but he was certainly um as he as he often did or always did 
he was on the crew as well, right? He was kind of a, a free safety, an Iron Man. He was doing everything. He would do security for us. And he, you know, overnights and as a veteran, and he's just awesome. And so it, it was not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but our production meeting, right, with our with our crew and department heads was um, was just the day prior to our first shoot day. And Mark gave me a big hug and said, you saved my life, he said to me, quote unquote. And of course, you know, as I probably tend to do, with any compliment, I kind of just cast it aside and, uh, and, uh, you know, what do you mean? But he really, he really meant it that we, that John and I had given him this, this new lease on life with these roles like Misty and Little Dixie and, mm-hmm. uh, and Lionel and, and, uh, and Ida Red and Father Philip and Candyland. And, um, and I, I didn't think a whole lot of, it was very touching. I mean, John and I love Mark, you know, he's, he's become, he'd become family. Long story short is, uh, he didn't show up for the first day, which was, uh, unprecedented for Mark because he, uh, again, he revolved his life around these these productions. Oh, I then just remember. Sh- I'm sorry. I just remembered. You said you had to take care of his estate on the next film you were doing, and this was that film. This was the one exactly wow. right. Jesus, and that was going on too. Jesus, it's all so, coming yeah. together. All coming together. I know it's it's tough to keep straight with the 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 clip at which we're releasing these films. It's tough to keep the chronology straight, but. When he didn't show up for day two, we knew something was awry. And uh, yeah, and then uh, while we were trying to keep this film on track, we were also attending his estate, making funeral arrangements, uh, sorting a memorial with uh, with the help of our dear friends on the crew. Um, and it was uh, yeah, it was just heart-wrenching. So there was such a subtext to it all. That's oh, a lot. Yeah, I mean, just from what the pieces you told me, that's enough to make a bad show. And, and there's other stuff I assume too. So it's just crazy. That stinks. Damn. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. sorry to bring this up. It's weird. I brought you guys on just to, so tell me tell me about your painful childhood memories next. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. This is great, man. It's cathartic, and uh, you know we're we're open books. But yeah, I mean, we ended up, um, the shoot was a lot shorter than we anticipated, frankly, because we were anxious to get out of there. We didn't really need much more. Was it one of those shoots, though? You guys were like basically leaning on each other for this. Were you like doing the thing where it's like two more days, two more days? No, there was a a moment where I, I, you know, Jeremy and I were riding a set and I was like, you know, man, shoots four more days, but there's a way it could be two. (laughs) And, And it was like, okay, like if we can do it and not compromise the movie, let's do it. Because at that point, it's like, you know, you just you don't want something else to happen you know what i mean (laughs) you're inviting danger with every day yeah so it just it it honestly felt like the responsible and safest thing to do was to get everybody out safely i mean truly i mean really (laughs) you know there's it was christ there was an element of real danger it felt like and that felt like the the most responsible decision so yes there was that moment yeah Wow. How about okay, last 20 pages. A oneer? <laughs> Can we do it in a one? <laughs> it was like that. Listen, man. I mean, you know, the one thing I, I'm really the thing I'm most proud of in the movie is because I didn't write it and you know, in Scott's in most of the scenes, and you know, our dialogue about what they would about how we would play it became minimal because it just had made a decision. And once he makes his decision on how he's gonna do everything there's not a lot for me to do by way of like, let's discuss your character. I can do it with everybody else, but with Scott, he had it down with what he wanted to do with Jackie. So it allowed me to focus on framing 
and do these kind of things that I never really put a lot of effort into. And so like, you know, photographing the Midwest in the way you're talking about and really focusing on color and, you know, can we shoot this scene in a one or can we do it in this? Like, let's see how many setups can I not do this in? You know what I mean? Right. So there's a lot of conversations like that, that I'm, I, I learned a lot from where it was like, you know, a lot of times you'll show up to shoot something and it's like, okay, there's five setups here. But, you know, when you're in a situation like Jeremy and I were in and, and there's a gun to our head, you know, figuratively, um, it's like, okay, could we do it in two? Could we do it in one? And like, you start kind of playing with these different ways to approach a scene and you learn a lot. I mean, that's the only way this movie got done is that we were so pragmatic and practical about how we approached everything. The thing that excited me about the movie were the characters in it. And also it kind of having this, uh, you know, my my big reference was Eggleston. If you know that is, he's a photographer. Mm. Uh, so those approaches kind of, we, we didn't sacrifice that or compromise that. We protected that. You know, we we, we had to ask ourselves, can we do a one or here? You know, <laughs> got it. Yeah. And those, when those, situ when you're in those situations, yeah, you just have to, but I got to say, I've been on shows like that where, you see it in the end product. And I, I'm honestly, you don't see, you don't feel that at all. It does not feel like that. And that's really, I think where you should be proud of Lionsgate should uh, push for some nomination stuff. I really think that you got something there with that. I really think it's a really great film. So you don't see it in the finished film. So be happy about that because I, I did not get that in the moment. Oh, one question, the ending post credits explanation. Uh, I don't want to say what the best scene in the movies after the movie is that what you're saying to me <laughs> watch your mouth <laughs> no, no, that's, that's one of our recasting things we had to do but it was we love the scene so much that we we thought let's just are, are, are you are, are you familiar are you both familiar with the the actor opposite jackie powers in that one post-credits uh scene no that's why i was so I um so. so the first film john and i did together is uh a really underrated sleeper, uh, all bias aside, called Run with the Hunted, okay. starring our dear friend Michael Pitt. Oh, oh, that's Michael Pitt. I, okay, I, I didn't recognize, sorry. Uh, no, no okay. apology warranted. So without getting into any detail uh, for more reasons than I could even share, yeah, ultimately our dear friend George Carroll, a.k.a. Slane, uh, replaced Michael early in the shoot due to circumstances beyond our control. But we felt compelled to at least salvage in some way one of those pivotal scenes before it went off the rails. Mm. Uh, and man, oh man. I mean, Michael, we um, when we cast him Run with the Hunted years ago, because we were such admirers of his work and, and remain to this day. So uh, that's just a little... That's a fun... Uh, to him. Yeah. That's a pretty punk rock thing to do, put the original actor in. It's like, imagine if... In Back to the Future, they brought what's his name back? Uh, Eric Stoltz. Oh, Eric yeah. Stoltz. Yeah. <laughs> just put Eric Stoltz in the bad of the movie. <laughs> yeah. you know, make it what you will. Maybe a dream sequence, but it was you A to A those two uh, scenes, right? One with George and one with Michael. I mean, it's night and day. Mm. Yeah, very different scene. It was just weird. It was like, oh, this is like, uh, what is it? Are they opening up a multiverse? Where? <laughs> <laughs> How many shoot days was it actually then? Uh, 18. Okay. Oh, that's wow. tight. That's tight. Yeah, yeah. By the skin of our teeth, we got it done. Mm -hmm. I think it actually ended, Jeremy. Uh, no, it was, it was it was 17 and a quarter days, actually, is what wow. it was. Wow. Right, the final day, we were done <laughs> in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Call, yeah. So it was <laughs> the amount of Houdini fucking David Blaine shit going on in that movie I gotta like, watch it again now. Like, I mean, it's it's almost like a modern day Bruce Willis movie because there are people we're shooting scenes where there's no actors with each other, 
and you actually think they are. I mean, I, we've we've never had to do that. Um, yeah. There's a lot of sleight of hand going on there. Yeah. Did, did you yeah. did you notice? Uh, I'm glad you didn't. Uh, but uh, <laughs> a little movie magic, right? Um, speaking of George, you know, we went to Boston, did a did a pickup shoot with just him and a skeleton crew, for for his side of the conversation with Taron Manning's character Taylor. Wow. Really. Yeah. Yeah, that's because that oh. original scene was done with Michael Pitt. Uh, oh. so, so she's so, reacting to Michael Pitt in those in her totally. coverage. Oh, wow. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so how I many was... days did you shoot with Pitt before he had to be replaced? Uh, about three. Oh, so so basically <laughs> you got you shot in fifteen and a quarter days essentially. Right. Because we had to we had to absorb those days into the actual shoot. You know, we couldn't extend the shoot. So yeah, I mean, it was, she just wanted out. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we had a hard out. I mean, with folks like uh, J.K. Simmons, etc. Right. right. You know, they, they have a hard out. They have a much bigger fish to fry. Right. 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 Yeah. right. When you you're getting these like these bigger actors in these small shoots, you just have them for like this is it. You know, it's mm -hmm. there's no there's no budge. Right. Yeah. Oof. Oh, I don't like. Oh, this is what well, I'm not getting back into film. You just changed my mind. I'm not going back. That's it. I, I don't I don't envision a scenario in which we would ever experience this amount of. Hardship. Why would you say that? You just I've said I, the same. Person, somehow we got out of there and, uh, and 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 I wouldn't be embellishing. Uh, it was really so. I mean, it was also, as with anything, just so many lessons learned and such valuable perspective, right? I mean, what we can actually pull off with our backs against the wall, it gave us uh, a lot of time to kind of ponder moving forward. My God, uh, here we thought we we were a well-oiled machine, and and perhaps perhaps we were and are, and that's how we were able to uh, to somehow bring the ship into port. But we learned a lot about ourselves and about. Um, who we surround ourselves with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so this was a, there was a culling after this, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be even smoother on the next project then. I mean, like you don't learn anything until you have to like wade through some shit. So. Yeah. You got to eat shit sometimes. Cause that's, that's the sad part is that you'll never learn. It can't be sunshines and rainbows every time. Cause the fact that you got the film to come out as good as it did under these circumstances, that's why you, yeah. Because if somebody puts something in your the spokes of your wheels, there's nothing you could do. It just happens. It's just somebody happens. Happens sometimes. So you you manage to pull out a really good film out of this one. So, well, that means a lot. I think that's it, fellas. This was great, guys. Guys, you pulled it out. I'm sorry to hear about the horror. I pulled it out, guys. I've been there. It stinks. I've been on the dissenting crew, so I I sympathize with them too. The <laughs> I've been in G and A where it's like we're leaving. I'm getting off this fucking shit show. <laughs> well, it means the world to us. Uh, I feel we've become good buddies at this point. Uh, three three shows in together, yeah. and uh, you know, thank you for your kind words. It means the world to us. We had no idea how this would turn out, and it was cathartically serendipitous.